When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Celtic State of Mind. I'm Paul John Dykes, and today I'm joined with a new face. It's uh, Jerry Taylor. You've decided to come on at the best possible time in a treble winning season, Jerry, after uh, a bit it, of a strange performance last night. Aye, aye. I mean, I was looking forward to coming on, but the past the past few games haven't exactly been uh, setting the header alight, have they? Well, you know this, right? We do uh, we do do a lot of the, the fundraising over the year. Um, and there's a ticker tape at the bottom of the screen there talking about a single that we, we released in December. It was always a kind of ambition of mine, Jerry, when I was walking about in the 90s with a Sean Ryder hairdo to release a single. And we finally done it in December. And it was all for charity. It was a song called The Glory in the Dream. And um, I was uh, thinking, when would be a good time to do the next, you know, the next uh, drive for for some fundraising. We've got a, a pile of stuff through there. I'm thinking, right, we'll do it when we beat Rangers at Ibrox, right? That's not happened. We're going to do it for Trophy Day. We're going to do it for the Cup. I'm, I'm keep putting it off, but hopefully in the next few days we'll be able to to do that. Now, for anyone who doesn't know you, before we get into the nitty-gritty of, of Celtic, tell us a wee bit of your, about your background. And obviously it ties in with that tagline about a Scottish Cup dress rehearsal. Tell us a wee bit about your, your background and what it is you're involved in just now. Well, I'm a performer, well, I'm an actor and a director and a writer. And I'm the guy that basically takes out Des Dillon's singing I'm Not a Billy, He's a Tim. It's been touring for 20 years now. There's actually a documentary getting made about the history of the show. Mm-hmm. So for 20 years, it's been selling out Scottish audiences and it doesn't get spoken about a lot. So can I delve deep into the history of that? So I'm currently the producer of that. Hey, my pal Des Dillon, Des Dillon, even he he's the writer. And recently I convinced them, well, not convinced them, I wanted them to write a third one because we've had the sequel out as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he wasn't up for it. But he came up with the idea to change it completely and do the first one again with an all-female cast. So we're doing Singing I'm Not a Billy, She's a Tim. Des has rewritten it, I'm directing it, and that's coming on at the Pavilion in September, the 1st and 2nd this year, Friday, Saturday, and it's two shows on the Saturday. So I'm buzzing for that. So basically my life is pretty much, I've been playing Tim for the past eight years. 
right? So, uh, yeah. so my life's been consumed by it because I've been directing it. I've been in it, traveling to Scotland with it. So I, it's time to take a wee rest and hand it over to the lassies now. I think the fact that someone has looked at the the longevity of it and thought this would make a great documentary, I think, speaks volumes. Um, and it's also interesting that you've came up with the concept because um, no more so, none more so has uh, the women's game been such a, you know, a, a you know, visually um, in your face, promoted, exposed, and quite rightly so. We've seen a couple of games at Celtic Park recently there. And uh, what a spectacle, Jerry, with the Celtic end, the, you know, the ultras. Unreal. Unreal, unbelievable, yeah. and it's great. And, and I think that the timing—it's not a token gesture. It's—it's it's about saying that you know. I, I loved the. I actually loved the quote last week from Caitlin Hayes. She was talking about how her dream was always to play for Celtic, and up to a certain point, um, because she was the wrong gender, she couldn't live her dream. But now she can. I just mm. think that's amazing. You know, you grow up with two yeah. kids, a boy and a girl. Both of them can live the same dream. Yeah, yeah, I totally. It's been it's been so great to see this season. I've been finding myself. I've been guilty of it. I've been like, oh, it's great to see the crowds. It's great to see. But I've never been myself. Mm-hmm. So, like, how many of us are, are the same? So, if we all actually went, I reckon that could fill that stadium definitely. And it's something next season that I'm really myself and my missus we're going to try and look to do is go and support the the girls team as well. Probably it's been right. great. It's, it's been a good season all round. I was it gutted has. for them though. I was gutted for them. See that. Oh, them scoring the last minute and then the equaliser and then getting it chalked off. Oh, what a way, but... See that few minutes, right? See, anybody who's got any doubts about women's football, because it's women's football, mm. you you try and watch the last couple of minutes of those games and how that unfurled and how there's a taxi running around Glasgow with a trophy in it and tell me you weren't excited. It didn't get to the root of why you love football. It's got nothing to do with the fact that it's women that's playing it. Yeah, I, exactly. And I, and I looked at that with the taxi and I was thinking, I remember, I hate saying it out loud, but a helicopter Sunday. And I've seen it in a taxi, but I thought to myself, hopefully in a couple of years, that'll be in a helicopter as well. Yeah. You know what I mean? Exactly. Getting the, getting the same exposure. But I, it's been it's been great to see. Um, it was tough for them, but they're in the Champions League. And yeah, and that's what I'm saying. It's handing it over to, to the girls to do now. A lot of our audience, it's, it's 50-50. It's female. And the laughs that you get, it's a different type of show and they're a great support. So yeah, we just thought, uh, time for the guys to take a back seat and the tagline is, it's not just the boys that are bigots. Because if you see online, when it comes, the whole show is about a Rangers and Celtic fan get locked in a prison cell together mm-hmm. and they've got no choice. At first, obviously, fireworks. But then there's no choice. What happens when they're locked in those four walls? They have to, they're forced to listen to each other's views, each yeah. other's beliefs, and they take them apart, they dissect them. And it's it's a celebration of both sides. It's a celebration of Scotland, really. But it also picks it apart and just shows how stupid it can be at times. But there's also a subplot where the prison guard next to them is going through their own story, which is a real thing. It's something, a real emotion they should be going through, not this false narrative that this Rangers and Celtic fan... Uh, are arguing over. So, I, I, I'm really looking forward to it. I'll be directing it, so it'd be good to just sit back and and uh, watch the new cast go for it. We're, we're doing the additions on the 10th of June, so any actors watching, if uh, you're between the ages of 18 and 60, mm-hmm. send your CV to us, because we're auditioning. Oh, yeah. That's superb. And I'll tell you something else. 
Uh, we are going to get into last night's game. We're not going to avoid it. We're going to get stuck right in about it, Jerry. Uh, I found it interesting not only uh, watching a, a quite dramatic capitulation last night, uh, but we try and pick it apart after the game because we go straight live, straight in the full-time whistle. And before you've gone live, you've been following the kind of WhatsApp um, reaction, the social media reaction. You know how people are feeling. But last night, I've got to say, um, and I'm not going to say it's because of my age or whatever, I wasn't overly concerned. Now, I, I hate seeing Celtic getting beat, right? Even if it was a bounce game, a, a friendly game, I don't want Celtic to ever get beat. But I was watching that last night, and in the great scheme of things, right, I'm looking at what Ange is doing, and all season, what we've been seeing in the comments and what we've been saying is trust in Ange. It's become a mantra, right? Trust <laughs> in Ange. And I'm thinking, since we won the league, right, He's used the last three games. I don't think he's going to use the Aberdeen game the same way, but he's used the last three games to try out some of the guys who have not been playing. And I think that's all it is. Because when he's getting the, the press conference questions fired at him as if this is a, a broken crest moment, Celtic in crisis, he's, he's kind of looking at them and he's thinking, this is bizarre. Can't you see what yeah. I'm doing here? I'm just giving the guys a run out just in case I need to use them for the cup final. How are you feeling? I mean, the, the league's won. We're on our way to the treble. I've got a few mates that keep falling out of me. I'm on, I'm on a I'm on a group chat. We're all kind of the same. The league's done. Last night I was saying that it'll be good to get some more points back, and I, I kind of had it in the back of my head that wasn't we weren't going to get a result. But it's not that I don't care. It's just like you, I'm over it quickly. Like you say, we're trying out new players. It's, it's great to see all getting a shot and the likes of him. But I was saying to you earlier, I, I judge the season on the day that it stopped when it was mathematically impossible for us to be caught. That's when we down tools. But as I Ange said, junk time, wasn't it? And it, and it is. You, you can't expect any player to give what the Celtic squad have given for a full season. The way that Ange makes them play, and it, apparently the way he makes them train, as soon as you finally got where you needed to go, and the treble's just a little bit way in the distance, there must be holiday time in the brain. It's like, right, I need to recharge myself. We've got the big game coming up. The che- the team's getting changed. The momentum drops. Um, there'll be some players thinking, where am I going in the summer, whether it be to a new team or on yeah. holiday? I mean, Jota's probably got about 17 that he's already <laughs> booked. You know, so they're human after all. Yeah. And for me, a big part of football it's the chemicals in your body that get you going. You know, the hype, the, the team talks, that'll be a big part of it. When that all goes, you, it's a natural come down, isn't it? So, See if I can um, try. You, you can tell me if I'm, I'm miles off here. If I can try and liken this to the industry that you're in. Now, mm-hmm. I know that being an athlete is completely different from being a performer on a stage. Uh, there's some you? similarities. There's some similarities. <laughs> <laughs> but when you're talking about the chemistry uh, and you know the focus and being in the zone, these are things that are very similar to a sports person and an actor. So you're sitting here just now. You've got a big show coming up. Um, you've got three shows, two dates in September. And if you then start doing rehearsals um, a few weeks before that and people aren't quite on it, it's not a major concern to you, I'm guessing, as a director, because you know there's going to be the final dress rehearsal. There's going to be the. It's going to be all right on the night, I guess, is the saying that I'm going for. Can you buy into that? Can you see similarities? A hundred percent. There's one of my mantras, or one of the way I work, 
uh, one of the ways I work, and I don't know if a lot of directors are like it, but I want my dress rehearsals. Can I swear? Yes. To be shite. I want them to be shite, right? Get it at the system. Have a good dress rehearsal. Go. Oh shit! They're going to go on that stage and think, "Yeah, we were great last night." But the difference is, you can train, you can rehearse as many times as you want. But as soon as you go out to that crowd or that live audience, you're not in control. Whatever's happening out there, mm-hmm. especially in the Billy and Tim audiences, anything can be shouted out at any point. You can't prepare for that. It all depends on your actor or your player. When it comes down to it, you can train, you can do your dress rehearsals. It's on that day that matters. Are your juices going? Are the crowd behind you? you know, I mean, I could go on that stage and say a line, both flat, and it gets to you. And you've got to try and get yourself to stay up at that level. I've done it in prisons where the, the guys are like two feet away from you. You know, I mean, I'm clearly a Rangers fan and you're giving it all the, the Celtic chat, but you've got to keep going. And it's the same with the players. They can do all they want in the training, but when it comes to a big occasion like that, comes down to the day, doesn't it? Yeah, they can switch on for the big performance, can't they? I was yeah. going to ask you as well, obviously because of the subject matter, uh, the people that are coming along, I don't think you're going to get casual observers. You're going to get Celtic and Rangers fans. What's that been like over the last 20 years? Because you said there, does it ever get a wee, a wee bit grisly in the crowd, in the audience? It's it's a minefield, but only in the promotion of it. See on the actual day, see on Twitter, like anything I post, I've got to be careful. I've even brought in my assistant director as a Rangers fan. Okay, so I went to them, one folk thinking, oh, the director's a Celtic fan, this is going to be, it'll be ran by the two of us. Um, but there's never really been any trouble. And that's the thing with the Billy and Tim crowds. They come in and it's, it can be rowdy and there'll be things that are shouted. And But because of the way the show is and the way the show ends, I wouldn't. they don't leave arm in arm. It doesn't save bigotry, nothing ever will. But there's a mutual respect when they're leaving. And, uh, and I like that about it. The only trouble we've had, it was never football related. But I'll tell you what, the scariest time was, I'm on record saying this, was when the Queen died. And we were at the pavilion on the day the Queen died, about to do singing. I'm not Billy, he's a Tim too. Now you're stuck in this situation, you go, any other show, you pull it, right? But if I pull that show, the Celtic fans, who are not um, known for being fans of the monarchy, would kick off, they paid good money. COVID had just been finished and stuff and for mm-hmm. wanted a night out. Mm-hmm. But if we keep it on, do the Rangers fans kick off? Because obviously they love the monarchy. And I'm sat in that dressing room with all my money put into this show, everything, and I mean everything, mate, money that I didn't even have. And I thought, if I pull it, I lose it all. The cast still need paid. And it's in most theatre's contracts that if someone in the monarchy dies, the show gets pulled. Did you know that? Right. No, I had no, no idea. There's mm-hmm. a lot of theatres that that's in. So I spoke to Ian Gordon at the time, who was running the pavilion. He's just recently retired. How you doing? And I says, look, if I pull this show, I'd basically lose everything. He says, what we're going to do is we'll do it tonight. Um, won't mention anything, and then if it goes well, we'll keep going. If anything kicks off, we're shutting it down, which was fair enough. Yeah. So it was the weirdest feeling, mate, like going out on that stage and oh, almost a thousand people out there and it just took one person to shout something and it kicks off. But not one person shouted a thing and we did a full four-day run and it wasn't until the very last show and someone took get into a wee argument. But the nice thing was the group of Celtic fans and the group of Rangers fans told 
each of their own. Shut up, pipe down. Mm-hmm. So we were told by folk Self-managed. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. I self-managed. There is a mutual respect there. For all that the battles, there is a real mutual respect in in, in the crowd. Um, Never been violence or anything like that. The only time, one time... some guy spilt a pint by accident on a lassie's new dress and they kicked off, so then he threw his full pint at her and then they get kicked out. <laughs> <laughs> this <laughs> is it. Exactly. Recently, uh, going to the Kevin Bridges gig, I, I don't know when that was, it was fairly recently, and um, I, I was at one of the later dates and you'd heard about all the all the, the crack and, and people fighting and all that kind of nonsense and he'd made a couple of jokes about the, the, the Queen passing and all that kind of stuff. You think to yourself, only in Glasgow. You've got to be so, so careful. Um, we are keen to get people's thoughts uh, on last night, where we are. We've got Trophy Day coming up on Saturday. We've got a Scottish Cup final the week after that. Are you concerned? Um, I'm not trying to play it down deliberately. I am genuinely confident. Uh, we were talking about the mantra, trust in Ange. I felt that during the COVID season, um, the mantra of keep the faith kept coming up and uh, what I was seeing with my own eyes wasn't keeping the faith. It was the 10 disappearing into the distance. I don't feel the same way. I'm very confident. By the way, mm. if it was, here's a question for you then, Jerry. If it wasn't Inverness Cali in the Scottish Cup final, if it was somebody like Rangers, if it was Aberdeen, if it was Hearts, would Ange be doing this? Would he be tinkering with the team? It's a great question. My heart sank a wee bit because I thought, what if we were playing? And no disrespect to Inverness, Cali Thistle, um, but I, let, I think if we had someone like the likes of Hearts with a massive crowd that would have been behind them, or, or Rangers, I don't think he would be tinkering. But I tell you something, I would definitely be a lot more worried right now. Yeah. I really you, would. You would. You definitely would. There's no doubt about it. The goalkeeper situation's worried me just now, buddy. <laughs> I love you, Great to have around. Keep him on as a coach, but I don't. Sorry, man. I love him, but see the thing with last night with Joe Hart, right? Is um, Scott Bain, and this isn't with hindsight. We're not sitting here saying, "Ah, oh, because he played badly last night, we should never give him a new deal." When we gave him that new deal, um, Celtic had the big show at the OVO Hydro with, with Bruni and Lustig that night. And then they announced when they're giving all the photos of Strachan on the stage and Big Ange on the stage, they quietly announced, oh, and by the way, we've given Scott Bain a three-year deal, right? It was one of their ones um, when everybody's attention is elsewhere. And I remember looking at it thinking, that's a bizarre set of circumstances. So I was looking at it today, um, and he's now been at the club for five and a half seasons. This is his sixth season. He's played five and a half seasons, uh, 75 appearances. Uh, So you're looking at that, 14 is his average appearances per season. Um, And I keep hearing he's here because one of two reasons, he's good around the place. I keep hearing that. And I think, right, Right. can I get a three-year contract? I'll be good around the place, right? (laughs) I'll not play much, but you know what? I'll try and keep going. Just sit on and make some jokes. I I can make a a decent brew, right? (laughs) And then the other one is he's there for the homegrown quota, which he is because he did his development through Aberdeen's academy, right? So you think to yourself, that's all fair and well, but we've got a young goalie 
and Toby Oberleyemi, who's been at Celtic now for four years, maybe five years actually, and he meets that quota. So put him on the bench because he was on the bench against Bodo Glimp last year. I didn't quite understand why we gave Scott Bain the three-year deal. But when I seen his name last night, I thought, right, just like the other players, Ange wants to have a look at him. He's not played this season. Ange wants to have a look. And if I'm going to be as fair as I possibly can to him, I thought he was having a decent game. I really did, right? I thought he was having a decent game. But there was a moment in the first half where he's trying to keep a ball in and he's kind of overstretched and he kind of jarred that bit just that you're up here. What do you call that? Your hip. I probably need a couple of replacements <laughs> at my age. And he kind of jarred it and he was hobbling about. So at half time, I thought to myself, take him off. Just take him off, right? Because what you don't want is you don't want to have a situation where maybe Joe Hart gets injured and, and then you've only got like you've not got a goalie for the cup final. Uh, but he came out. He came out for the second half. And basically what happened, he was part of the capitulation because, you know, a very, it was a speculative shot from maybe 30, 35 yards. It was on target, but it didn't have much power in it. And he's basically allowed it to go through his body. It was a terrible error. And it was a, a run of events actually leading up to that that completely changed the momentum. The momentum swung in Hibbs' direction and they were deserving winners. So the Scott Bain thing for me, um, even if he had gone out and played all right last night, I'd still be saying to myself, Jerry, we shouldn't have given him the deal. Mm-hmm. And I still think we need a goalie. Now, not because I think Joe Hart has to leave at this moment in time. I think there needs to be a process bringing somebody in to challenge Joe. And Joe's still in the building, let's say, for another season because you can learn so much from the guy. Yeah. And then that person that you brought in becomes your number one. Um, I don't know what their plans are. Can we run with Joe Hart and Scott Bain next season, do you think? I, I, w- I wouldn't be confident. I really wouldn't. But there's no, like I said, there's no harm to Joe Hart and he's a good, solid goalkeeper. But what he isn't is, when we had Fraser Foster, and I, create, I hate harping back to because I keep thinking he's like ours, putting the, the bat signal out for him all the time. But he pulled off saves that he shouldn't have pulled off. I don't remember many, many games with Hart when you go, that one is a point or that, that got us the victory. I mean, Fraser Foster, even in Europe, he was pulling off some... Was it against... Was it Lazio? I mean, he's pulled off that last-minute save going top corner. That was astonishing. Yeah. And it would make me gasp. I've not had that for the, like, since the likes of Fraser Foster and Arthur Boric. I mean, for all Arthur Boric was an absolute maniac, he came out with some absolute worldies, even, even with Poland against Germany. But we haven't had that in a goalkeeper. And I think we need that, and that will make the difference in the Champions League because we need a goalkeeper to win us points. We can't just rely on the nice and solid. And it does look great around the team, but that's why I think, like you say, keep them on, reserve goalkeeper, coach the team. But I think we need to splash out and get somebody that's that's tried and tested now. I think so. And as long as his name isn't Vazilas Barkas, um, oh. and it's not going to cost us five million quid. He's been playing great, apparently. I know. I know. The, the good thing about that is we might manage to get some of our out- outlay back. We might be able to recoup something back for him. Listen, I think every footballer that comes at Celtic are talented players. And I say this all the time, and if I ever talk to an ex-player about a specific player, they say, no, he, he's not a bad footballer. It's just that it doesn't work out sometimes. And, and a lot of people, I think, at Celtic, when they come to Celtic, they don't understand. Here's a perfect example. We've won the league and we're 
kicking out and kicking up about the fact we've not won the last three games. Every single game must be won. Doesn't matter if you've won the league, you know. And a lot of people, uh, in terms of players, they come in from all over the world. They can't understand that mentality. Um, and I think that winning mentality is something that you know a lot of players don't have. They could have the talent, but they don't have the mentality to play for Celtic. I'm going to bring in as many comments as I can. I know it was a very emotive night last night. Alan Robertson, it's always great to hear from you, pal. Uh, no seen you in a while. Everyone recovered yet? I think so, yeah. I think we've all recovered. We're OK. Patrick Harold, happy Lisbon Lions Day. We'll be talking about that. It's the 25th oh. of May. Aye, it's the 25th of May today. It's the big one. And uh, 56 years now. See, see the big thing with that, right? The 50th anniversary doesn't seem like six years ago. No. No, no. way. That COVID, even though it was only about two years, I feel like we've lost five years to it. Mm-hmm. I really do. Wow. And the thing with that, every anniversary... I mean, a big one I remember was um, the 25th and all the guys are together. And then as the years go on, the pictures are getting smaller, Jerry, because we're, we're losing the Lions. They're getting older, you know. And I just yeah. think every single year now, you've got to celebrate uh, what they achieved because we had a good conversation last week about what it is that they achieved. It's not just the fact that they won the, the trophy. What they achieved in terms of putting Celtic on the map. Um, now, Jim Orr talks really well about this because... Up to that point, probably up to the point where we bring Jockstein back as a manager in 65, Celtic were a one of Scotland's top clubs. That's what they were. They weren't a European-renowned name. Uh, we had a fan base, but again, in terms of uh, where we had come from, we had kind of minor success. There were other clubs in Scotland formed for the same reason that Celtic were formed. There was clubs formed in Edinburgh and Dundee, as we know. Um, so in terms of the European reputation, um, we didn't have that. Did we have a worldwide fan base? Probably not. And then we start, we become European globetrotters under Jock Steen and we finally win it in 67, get back into the final in 70. And I keep banging on about this stat, which I love. From 64 to 76, the 12 seasons, we uh, got to at least the quarterfinal of a European competition on nine occasions in 12 seasons. Because people say... Oh, it was a a Unbelievable. I mean, we were a European force. And I think that um, every single year we celebrate that because every year that picture of the Lions is getting smaller. But what I'm going to ask you is, I mean, um, if you don't mind me asking, what age are you? Are you roughly the same age? I, I turned 40 a couple of weeks ago. Well, I'm going to say you're roughly the same age as me. You're roughly the same age as me, right? Which I was still 40. Um, and I think about what we've experienced as uh, Celtic fans in Europe. Um, the first time I ever felt we were going to do anything was under Martin O'Neill and we did I don't think we uh, kicked on from it unfortunately I thought when Brennan Rodgers came in that we could have had some kind of success we didn't yeah. really have that we've had success under Strack. we've had success under Lenny can we get European success under Ange and what does it look like for you Jay? I seriously think that if Ange stays for another season we're going to see a massive difference in the squad in Europe we needed that Champions League there for all the way to get... It looked like we get battered, but we really didn't. We really gave our all in a lot of those games. Um, we shouldn't have lost two of them. I mean, how we lost them. 60 minutes toe-to-toe Real Madrid. And I know that some folk will go, it's not a 90-minute game, but to watch the boys on that game, they needed to make all those mistakes. They didn't take their chances. That, that was definitely the Champions League of missed chances for us. Mm-hmm. I think next season, keep we keep the core of the squad. We know we're going to lose some of our good ones. 
I, I seriously think we keep Ange and keep the core. We're definitely going to get into the going. However, we don't know who we're going to get drawn against, but I can see us getting past the group stages. It's got to happen. It's got to happen sooner or later. It does. I mean, a, a massive part of that is um, the ambition has to match. So you get a sense on here, Jerry, of Celtic fans' ambitions. And at no point am I going to claim that we speak for Celtic fans or we know what everybody thinks. But you get a good sense with the numbers that come in and watch the show, as well as those who contribute to the show, um, as to the ambition of certainly a section of the fans. And then Ange talks about European ambitions. Callum McGregor has spoken about them. The one thing that bugs me, I don't know what the board's ambition is in Europe. We know what the manager wants. We know what Callum wants. We know what the players want. We know what a, a massive part of the fan base wants. But one thing that does worry me is what does the board want? So we're at this stage. We had a conversation a couple of weeks ago about the kind of third season drop-off when we bring in a manager. Uh, we've seen it with Martin O'Neill. We've seen it with Brendan Rodgers and... Um, hopefully we won't see it with Anne. So we're going into the third season. And instead of hedging your bets a wee bit and thinking, we've still got a good squad. No, you go out and you buy again. You go out and you buy four or five again, plus any that you actually lose, because there is that possibility that one or two might go if the big deal comes in, the big offer comes in. And I think it's it's going to be a test of their metal, Jerry. Have you got the confidence that the boards match our ambitions as fans? Every season I have the hope that they will. Mm. Um, I don't. I I don't know the ins and outs financially of what it would take, but I think our board are more along the lines of we'll keep going as we're going, and what a beautiful fairy tale it would be if one of our managers could do all the hard work for us and and take us to the as far as he could go. Can you imagine? Can you like we're allowed to dream, but can you imagine Ange? Used his magic touch and took his, I don't know, to the quarter. To a final. To a um, final. A final. I, I take Europa League final, mate. 100%. 100%. I want that occasion. 100%. And by the way, with regards to that, two things. Firstly, a wee while back, Colin Watt and I had a, a chat about, we were in a, a, a studio in Stirling, but we were actually waiting on a guest coming and we were going to do an interview with an Excel, but something happened and they couldn't make it. So we had the studio booked at the time, and I says to Colin, you know what, we're just going to have to do this because we're, we're going to have to pay for it anyway. Um, and so we did our, our best team for the last decade, right? And when we, we looked at that team, Jerry, honestly, I mean, Van Dyke and all these guys, Wanyama, Foster, Paddy Roberts, and you're looking, Kieran Tierney at left back, unbelievable team. And you think to yourself, right, they're all still playing. It's not like you're saying, what's their best team for the 80s? You know, mm -hmm. they're all still playing. So there is that moment if you're lucky that you get all the guys and there's a sweet spot and they all it all happens at one time. But that yeah. the, the chances of that happening are so, so slim. Mm -hmm. So the way I kind of view it now is I think we've got a really, really good squad here. I think we've got a core of, I would say, five or six absolutely top drawer players. Mm -hmm. Then we've got the rest of the team who can win us domestic trophies, which is great. And I think we've maybe got a, a squad of 15 or 16 who when called upon, can come in. And I want to talk about the depth of the squad because it's kind of been yeah. shown up in the last few weeks. But in order for us to really do something in Europe, be that into the um, you know into the knockout stages of the Champions League or progressing to the latter stages of the Europa League, I think what you then do is you strengthen. So you go into this, this pre-season and you're always worried you might lose one of your big, your big hitters, right? You don't want to lose Carter Vickers, Jota, O'Reilly, Hatate. Kyogo. You don't want to lose any of the guys 
if you do lose one, it's going to be very disappointing. If you lose two, it will feel like a disaster. Mm-hmm. So you need to replace them, um, and then you still need to strengthen. So you still need to bring in your four or your five. And I think if you then do that and you go into Europe, you look at some of the situations we were in this season. We were playing Maurice Jens, Aloni at centre-half. You know, it, we didn't see Carter Vickers and Staffelt together in the Champions League. That That's one of our best areas of the park. Callum McGregor, our captain, uh, was injured for a few of the games. Sorry, so, boss. you know, you, you look at that situation, you think to yourself, we might only be four or five from seeing us go to the next level. And then you try and do that again, incrementally improving season on season. Um, as fans, I think we would be, uh, I, I think we would be patient enough if we saw the improvement season on season. Mm-hmm. But are the boards ambitious enough? And that, that's the big question. Now, I'm going to jump back into your, your career here because obviously, um, as well as a writer and a director, um, you're an actor as well. And um, I love the fact that you have appeared in, you've been involved in a couple of things that are institutions of Scottish television, I would suggest, and still, <laughs> yeah. still gain, um, uh, and Scott Squad as well. So Scott. tell us a wee bit about that kind of experience you've had there. Well, they're my two claims to fame, and I really didn't do much on them at all. So on Still Game years ago, um, I was on an episode, it was Smoke in the Water, uh, you know the one where it's Victor's birthday and Jack gets him a dinghy to go a wee trip up the Kelvin <laughs> River, um, it's like the kind of deliverance type theme. I'm touching I'm a skinny wee runner on it as well, right? So I run up, oh, do you know, it's one of these cringe moments, you know what I mean? I run up to the edge of the river and I'm the one that goes like, like that, and it's like a cartoon thing and I'm like, oh, I've definitely evolved as an actor. But in saying that, I was on Still Game, man. It's like it's the biggest, the biggest thing in Scotland since Scotch and Rye, the likes of that. So to say that I, I was even in a tiny wee bit, that was great. And in Scott Squad, it was gotten about Scott Squad because I get cast as this drug dealer called Chisel. And um, the way they do it, I don't know if you know, it's all improvised on Scott Squad. Right. So they basically just send you a wee, this is what's happening, this is the idea. You turn up and you just improvise it. So I was with Louise and Julie at the time. Um, they were the two detectives. And they basically said, look, there's this new drug. You're the dealer. They're coming in undercover. Go. But on my way, so the night before, I remember watching the telly and it was all this COVID stuff. And I'm going, here we go. It's another bird flu. But then I'm going up and it's like, I'm going on the bus here. You keep all the actors on this old bus. And uh, Joe... Joe Hewlett, the, the the creator, he's come on, I went to shake his hand and he went, well, we're not allowed to shake hands anymore. And that was the first time I ever remember that, like the first time I've gone, right, this is COVID. And he says, look, we're really going to rush through. They think they're going to shut us down tomorrow. So I was meant to think I have an hour or so, but it was literally at the end of the day, they went, it was 15, 20 minutes, boom. So they shot it really quickly. So you blink, it's one of those, you blink and you miss me. But there was enough to go, all right, I was on Scott Squad. So I've, I've managed to do the two of them. I've done Scott Squad and Still Game. So what's the next one? I need a bit of pattern. To be honest, though, what you're doing right now, you know, when you look at the longevity of it, uh, 20 years and having the involvement in that, I'd, I'd say that's your own personal treble so far. But it oh, I like be, that, mate. I like that, yeah. yeah it, might be your own, it might not only be uh, the only treble you win because some of us like to win multiple trebles, Jerry. Um, yeah. <laughs> bizarre, but incredible at the same time that uh, Callum McGregor will be the only player in world football to have won five trebles if we beat Inverness Cali Thistle. 
I had no idea. I, oh, wow. It's sensational, isn't it? It really is. And by the way, I don't think he's playing that well just now, but he must he must be very frustrated at that because his standards are so, so high. Um, I want to talk, we'll talk a wee bit more about last night. There's a few points I want to make because I don't want to just put it all on Scott Bain. I don't think it was um, just about Scott Bain. I'm going to say that there was a there was a period of time here where everything went wrong. It was a set of unfortunate circumstances. Some of them weren't probably unfortunate, but were caused by herself. And this was a turning point in the game for me. So, um, Haksabanovic had been injured last night. Uh, he got a start. We were all looking forward to him because he's shown flashes that he could be a, a right good player, Jerry, an entertaining yeah. player. He gets a start. Um, but he pulls up injured pretty early doors and Maida comes in and you think, that's nice. We've seen Maida playing really well against Hibs at Easter Road. But Maida was on an absolute mission to get sent off last night. It was bizarre. <laughs> I have never seen anything like it with him because he seems like he's one of the guys who's so focused, right? Doesn't really show much emotion. Even when he scored that great goal at Easter Road, kind of runs away, doesn't even smile. But I think the first bookend was soft, but... Once you've got that book in under your belt, you're going to have to watch what you do. So it was constantly we niggly challenges, giving away free kicks, and eventually get sent off. So on the 57th minute, the big man O puts us 2-1 up, and I'll talk about him. I thought he had a really good game. Um, a few minutes later, we make the three subs. Ange loves making his subs at 60 or 65 minutes. So we make the three subs, and I'm, I'm looking at that at the time, no behind sight, thinking he should have brought Maid off, Jerry, because... He just he seemed to be in the zone. He was going to get sent off. There was a look in his eye. I don't know what he, what he was thinking. Um, three minutes after the substitution, indeed, Maida does get sent off. And then a, a minute later, a Hibs player gets sent off. And we're thinking to ourselves, right, oh, this is great. By the way, I didn't think it was a sending off. VAR yeah. reverses the decision, right? Or VAR calls Kevin Clancy over. Kevin Clancy reverses the decision. And people might not see that as a big part of the game. But it's a momentum swing. So as a Celtic player, right, you think to yourself, right, Maida's gone, we're still 2-1 up, your back's against the wall, this we're still... And then Hibs get a player sent off, and you think to yourself, right, that's fine, 10 v 10. Then Hibs get the boost, right, you're no sent off. And I think that was a massive, massive change and a, a big swing in the momentum. Then uh, a few minutes after that, Hibs get a penalty. And of course, they score and it's 2 each. Even at 2 each, you think to yourself, right, 10 men, let's let's hedge our bets here, let's play it safe. And that's when Bain makes his, his error on the 79th minute. And it's just at that point, you're done for, right? Yeah. So I think it's just moments and it's margins. It's margins of error. I've seen so many times under Ange and any other manager, we've not played that well, right? But you've come out relatively unscathed. So you don't think there's a disaster or a crisis mm. under the surface. And like yourself from a similar era, is that the way you're kind of viewing this? L- listen, it was a moment in time we were rotten last night. Everything kind of went wrong that could have gone wrong, but it'll be okay on Saturday. Yeah, and that, well, that's what that's what I'm hoping. I'm hoping that it's not that something hasn't some kind of rot hasn't set in. It's just a case of we're we're, re, we're we're saving ourselves for the big moment. We're ready. We've got one last push in us, but we're not ready to give you it quite yet. So uh, that's what I'm hoping. The whole the whole Maida thing, mate. Like, see, at the best of times, he, he would chase an empty crisp poke, right? It just never stops. But I'm thinking to myself, what's up with him? Like, is it the end of the season? We're all playing pranks, and they've put some MDMA in his water bottle or something like that. Because, like you say, it was like, did I, did I get getting sent off? He was going to get back home quicker, or I don't know. But it was unusual. Uh, unusual, but it'll be interesting. Very unusual. I bet, see, anyone who wasn't watching the game that saw it come up, Maida red card, 
I bet they had to keep refreshing that because they thought it would have been a mistake because you would never ever... You would be the last. By the way, sorry for changing the subject, can we say a massive congratulations to the three Japanese boys who finally oh, yeah. got their call-up? Well, two of them finally got their call-up to... to yeah, I mean, the, the thing with Kyogo and Hitati, they are the two, I've got to say, they're the two that I've got a concern with, not because of their performances. I've got a concern that they're so good that, you know, come the summer, we're going to get big bids coming in for them, right? I mean, we've heard that all season about a number of the clubs who are interested in Ange. Ange is on this radar. Ange is on that radar. Um, and, you know, again, just this morning, we're hearing Spurs. That's the new name. Spurs are going to be interested in Ange. Ange is too old for Spurs. He's 57. He's not it's too just old come anybody. up there. It's just come up there. Sorry to interrupt that Spurs have offered the job to Brendan Rodgers, but I don't know how... I don't know how true that is. Oh, I hope that is cast iron true. I hope so, Brendan goes to Spurs. Absolutely. Um, but, you know, these are the things that, as a club, Celtic will always have to contend with that because I, I never say um, that there are bigger clubs out there. What I say is there's richer clubs from bigger yeah. leagues because we don't play in the biggest league. And, and the football clubs who can um, basically weigh in with massive big offers will invariably get the players that they want. And and also, a club like Celtic, um, if you're going to get an offer, let's say, of 15, 20, 25 million, as we've done in the past for players, we've got to consider it, and, and invariably we will accept the offer. So they're the two that I'm worried about. I don't really have much concerns about Carter Vickers and Jota and O'Reilly at this moment in time, but they're the two that I hope we get through the, the pre-season and they're still Celtic players now. Uh, Daniel Hamilton, welcome to the show. You're commenting on the YouTube channel. Thanks for getting involved and subscribing because if you subscribe, you can make a comment. And if you wish and you want to support what we're doing, give us a thumbs up as well. Celtic cannot continue in this vein of form. We can't let this treble go. Uh, Mark Tyler, uh, good to see you in here. Hail, hail, champions. A nice reminder. Yes, we have won the league. And uh, Ange was pretty bullish in his pre-match when he was reminding people of that. Paddy Lavery, uh, time to bring back the thunder. Right, so let's go to the tagline then, uh, Jerry. Aberdeen, trophy day, big occasion. Hopefully the sun comes out. Full house, we get the trophy. He's going to play his strongest team, isn't he? He's going to play the team that's going to start against Inverness. We're going to get back to winning ways. <laughs> is yeah. Ange going to... Is Ange, convince me. Convince is me. Ange the, but this is the thing. If he plays the strongest team, yes. But is Ange the kind of guy that's sentimental to go, I'm going to put the guys out in front of the crowd that I feel like I've given the majority or have had the majority of the play this season or is he the type of guy that puts all that to the back and thinks I'm going to play a weakened team again maybe bring my guys on for the last 20 minutes or so to any injury risks or anything like that just to reduce all that I don't know I think with the crowd behind us I'm always confident so but I, I can't I can't take another defeat with the build-up to this, I, I don't think my heart could take it because then I would go into the game a bit worried because to me that would be a case of not just putting down in tools. Like I'm going back to say, some kind of rot set in. But this oh, is- no, we're going to be grand. We're going to win against Aberdeen. We're going to win the treble. Angie's going to stay and then we're going to win the Champions League. <laughs> we're going to buy four or five. The thing about Aberdeen, of course, Barry Robson Excel is doing wonderful things at Pitodre. Right. He's done so, so well. They'd have been after head not to give him the job permanently. Mm-hmm. So you're playing a team that's kind of full of belief. They've had a topsy-turvy season, but under Barry Robson, they've done very well. I think that the only two players 
that uh, I don't think have had enough game time. Uh, I don't think that in the last month or so, I've just seen enough of them, who are still first-team players, would be David Turnbull and Stephen Welsh. So if I'm looking at that lineup as it pops up an hour before kickoff, if one or both of those players are in the team, I can understand what he's doing. He's trying to give them a game just in case on the eve of the cup. A lot can happen a week before a cup final. People can pull up at training, all that kind of stuff. Um, and, and they're the two guys I don't think have had enough game time. I know Turnbull came on last night, but it was a wrong time to bring him on. Didn't get much into the game. And I just think they're the two guys. And, and potentially James A. Forrest, because he's coming back from injury. So he might still tinker with it. Now, Paul Hogan, greetings from County Clare. Greetings to you as well. It's always an absolute pleasure to see uh, where you're tuning in from. Going back to your point about um, uh, women in football, I remember the first season ticket I ever had was 1994-95, and it was when we played at Hamden for a whole year. It was rotten. It was her- it was hellish because I was behind the goals, so you needed a set of binoculars to see what was going on. And at that time, um, looking around the, the kind of cross-section, so straight away in my supporters' bus, no girls, no females, all guys, all guys going to the game. And at that time, there was a few people that went to the games who I went to school with, and there was only one female that I was aware of that, that was going to the games on a regular, right? So from that, fast forward to now, I think it's been sensational how things have changed. When you look at Axon uh, on YouTube, you get all the analytics as well, Jerry. So it tells you age groups, uh, how long people watch for, subscribers, non-subscribers. But the one the one thing that, that I look at, and I'm a, I'm a bit concerned at because I can't turn it round deliberately, I don't think, is the male versus female viewership. So um, initially, th- this was bizarre, bizarrely high. We were on 97% male watching Axon. Um, and then, I think in the last probably 18 months to, to two years, the females have doubled in wow. size. They've doubled in size. So we're not quite at a stage where we've got a quarter of the viewership tuning in um, who are female, but we're hoping to go in that direction. And it does show, again, um, the, the massive upturn and exposure of the women's game can only be a good thing um, yeah. as well. And by the way, we've we've got uh, Axon contributors, uh, some of the females who can't, who can't stand the women's football. So it doesn't quite work like that either, you know. So it's a, it's a difficult one. There's no exact science to it. Uh, Mad Dog, greetings, greeting or greetings. <laughs> Ho- hopefully greetings from London. Don't leave us, Ange. Uh, Ange okay. isn't leaving us. They can have no. Brendan. Why is he greeting in London? That's where Tottenham are. Oh, no. Uh, no, no, you're no. fine. Brendan Rodgers will take that job. He's got no scruples. Oh. Uh, Paul Hogan's back in. A big improvement is needed before the cup final. Right, I get all that. I totally get it. Uh, but we're up against a team in Inverness who are a league below us, Jerry. So I'm just trying to look at some perspective here. They're a league below us. And until that day where we win the league at Tynecastle, we have been domestically unstoppable. Uh, we've beaten everybody that's come our way. We've won the cup. Kyogo's League Cup performance was unbelievable, iconic. They'll look back at that performance in last season's League Cup in years and decades to come. You know, two League Cups in a row. Kyogo scores a double on both occasions. He's a guy that steps up on the big occasion. Um, we know Carter Vickers is going to be out, but we might have Johnston back, you know. And this is the point I'm going to make. You look at that team, the makeup of the team last night. We're replacing Joe Hart with Scott Bain, who hasn't played a game of football this season. We're replacing Johnston with Tony Ralston, who, as much as I love him, that's a drop down in quality. Um, Greg Taylor's replaced by Burnaby, who doesn't seem to know how to play inverted fullback. 
And Carter Vickers is replaced with Kobayashi. Anybody in the squad that replaces Kobayashi, there's going to be a drop-off. Now, those four players are all playing in defence, Jerry. So, you know, that's a drop-off in four of the five people at the back. Mm-hmm. There's your problem. When you look at the cup final, when you look at Aberdeen, we'll be able to call on Hart, Johnson and Taylor. So the, your only real concern is Kobayashi at that stage. But you yeah. should still have enough to get us through the next two games. I don't like to judge too quickly on players. Um, and I really, really had high hopes for Kobayashi. But from what I've seen so far, it's not it's not been great. But like I say, it's the time of the season, putting him on. He's, he wasn't, he's not playing under any pressure, which is a bit more worrying. But... Give him time. Who knows what will happen. I think Johnson being out has been massive. Obviously, Carter Vickers speaks for himself, but Johnson, I love Ralston, but I'm just, I'm not sure when it gets to Champions League and stuff, he's got us out in some tricky situations and his heart's there, but I just don't know if he's at the standard for taking us to that next level. But I just love Johnson. I just think the guy's absolutely insane when it comes to his, his, his effort, his heart. But I think he's been a big miss. So is that talk that he'll be back for the Aberdeen game? or Well, potentially. So he was training last week. He was training last week and um, he wasn't in the squad last night. But I mean, again, talking to iconic images, him bouncing about in a moon boot and his, and his crutches. Um, yeah. Absolutely brilliant. We've taken up our heart because I think, as well as the undoubted ability that he has, he loves a battle. He loves that combative yeah. nature of it. Um, and we do like that because obviously we're playing in Scottish football and there's a bit of that physicality in the game. The thing with Tony Ralston, although I don't want to write him off, um, and we've been big champions of Tony since he came back into the side, yeah. his, his story has been incredible. It's been an incredible journey for him to be completely written off by a number of managers, um, having been given his debut by Brendan Rodgers, the aforementioned Brendan. Um, written off, written off, written off. Every time we mentioned him on Axon, we got pelters for even mentioning him. Yeah. And then Ange comes in, and Ange is in a scenario where he doesn't have a right back, so he's got to play him. But he plays out his skin, Jerry. He played out his skin in that first season. And Kevin Graham made the point last night, fair play to him, he actually played really well in the first half of this season as well until he got his injury. Yeah. I don't know if he's, if he's fully recovered. I don't want to write him off because I've got memories of him being a proper success story. Mm-hmm. But at this moment in time, as soon as Johnson's fit, he's back in the team. And, and Tony has to drop out, unfortunately. Now, I feel another... bad now, because you're right, you're right, it was great, and that Ross County goal, and... Oh, no. Oh, ask me the question again, right? right. <laughs> love you him. love Tony, right? I do <laughs> love him, man, that's like I do, I do. I just don't see him, I, I honestly can't see him, and I know he said uh, loan deals, I can't see him leaving. I really don't. Oh, I, no, I, I'm no. looking at um, James Forrest, right? So we get an email today... Um, Celtic have confirmed James Forrest is getting a testimonial, right? Now, now these are the things that back in the day, you know, there was loads of testimonials. I remember through the 80s, Danny McGrain, Roy Aiken, Tommy Burns, David Proven. It seemed as though it was a thing, testimonials, because you had that loyalty. The game was completely different. Players played for a decade, you know, on a regular basis at clubs. That's dying down now. So then you see testimonials, they're fewer and further between. So you've got Jackie Mack, uh, who, by the way, Jackie Mack, this is a, an absolute blatant plug. We are doing a gig with Jackie tomorrow night, so if you want to come along, I think there's about three tickets left, and the link is underneath the video. Uh, Gracie's in Glasgow. So Jackie McNamara, and then we had Scott Brown, who got a testimonial. Mm-hmm. But these things don't happen that often. So what we've now got in a, is a situation where we've got players like uh, James Forrest, who's getting his testimonial. 
Callum McGregor will get a testimonial um, in the fullness of time. So it was announced today it's the Athletic Club from Bilbao who will be the opponents, and it's a double whammy. So it's James's testimonial, but uh, Bilbao, our opponents, are also celebrating their 125th year. We've got a, a friendship with, with the club um, yeah. as well. And the most incredible thing about this is James Forrest, only three players have won more trophies in the history of Celtic Football Club than Jamesy. He's 31, he's played 465 games, he's scored over 100 goals and assisted uh, over 100 times. And he's a player, like Tony, that still gets stick. How how on earth, why do we do that to, to our homegrown players? I know, it, it does seem to be the homegrown players that seem to get it. I think we've got this thing in Scotland where it's like, we're that scared to lose someone eventually that we just think, right, if we just abused them the last couple of years, then it'll be easier on ourselves. I've been guilty of it, mate, when it comes to James. I'll be like, ah, he needs to go this season and then he'll score or he'll do something brilliant. You're like, oh, I love that boy. I love him. Do you think it's quite telling that the testimonial's been announced now? Do you think that might be him? Well, a lot of people raised their eyebrows when he got his, um, his, his new deal. Uh, mm-hmm. He's not played as much football this season as you would have liked. I think that he's probably coming to that point. And the thing with Jamesy is, very much like Kieran Tierney, played a lot of football as a, like a 17-year-old, competitive football, a lot of games every season. And I think that crept up on him. And, and I mean, Tierney, I hope for the sake of the player, can get over his injury woes. I don't want... If you look at the appearances that James has made, he hits this peak and he's, he's like Carl McGregor, he's making big appearances every season, but that slowly starts to descend into you know, the 20-30 mark. You don't really want to see that. He's only 31. He's still relatively young for a footballer. Um, but Mark, like you, say, you heard it here first. He'll be playing with Fleetwood next season. Oh, with Bruni. He'll be a coach, player. I bet you, man. I bet you. I'll tell you what, Bruni could do a lot worse. You know, right. That level of experience and, and the winning mentality, which is so, so important as well. I mean, Bruni must go to a club like Fleetwood, no disrespect to them, but he'll be looking around and people just don't have the same mentality that he's got. Mm. And you see a lot of managers doing that, don't you? They bring in two or three from their previous club because they want to instill it yeah. in the club. Yeah. Um, and I think, listen, if he was to go down there, that would be a great move for, for Bruni. And also, if James isn't going to be getting the... If he's not going to get the game time, then I can understand it as well. But again, I, I honestly think that uh, Andrew's ruthless, right? So even if that was the case and he was going to be leaving, Andrew's ruthless. He's not the type of guy that would give you five minutes in the Scottish Cup final, is he? He would just let, let you sit on the bench. Aye, aye exactly. <laughs> exactly. What is it they said about Ange? Is there no somebody that says they were on a plane with him for eight hours, sat next to him, and he never spoke a word? He never spoke, that's right. That was one of the Australian boys um, that said that. <laughs> no, it is. Getting... Nah, nah, it's bizarre. It's bizarre. It's so focused, though. Um, Jerry O. What? Sorry, Jerry. Jerry. Jerry O. from. Uh, it's talking about the Hamden season. And as I say, that was my first season ticket. Um, and it was uh, obviously under Tommy Burns. We didn't have a great team. Um, and he reckons it was his worst experience supporting Celtic from behind the goals. Listen, I'm still not a fan of Hamden, to be honest with you, but it was even worse back then, I've got to say. And Chilpil comes in. Um, this was mentioned last night. Stephen Welsh for Kobayashi, right? Now, again, Stephen Welsh is a player who's come through the ranks. I think he's done... Pretty well, if you if you consider the fact that um, you know Neil Lennon, John Kennedy, now Ange Postecoglou, in a short space of time, he's played under three managers. One of them was an interim uh, manager, but he looks to be as though he's on his way out. 
Um, so I think that with regards to throwing him in, he's not had enough game time. So unless he was to play against Aberdeen and play really, really well, I think we're going to run with Kobayashi. And like you were saying, Jerry, I've had high hopes for Kobayashi. Let's not write him off yet. No, 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 yeah. See, the Welsh is a strange one as well for me when it comes to the fans, right? I'm a big fan of him. But see, when he was playing, he gets pelters. But see, when he's not playing, they're like, oh, you should bring him in. Bring in Welsh. <laughs> I think he's he's definitely got potential. I wouldn't write him off. I wouldn't write Kobayashi off, even though I've just not been enamoured by... Big, I saw up somebody call him Big Yashers on Twitter the other day. <laughs> Kobayashi, Big Yashers. We're always looking for a nickname, though. Eh? Jackie, Jackie, oh, yeah. Noski, and all this <laughs> kind of stuff. And uh, we, we signed Darius Dovjek, so we'll call him Shuggy. Aye, Shuggy. I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know why we did that. Um, the other game that was announced today is uh, on our Japanese tour uh, on the 22nd of July. Uh, Gamba Osaka will be playing them as well. We'll be getting the thoughts of Liam Carrigan Tuesday next week. He's our Japanese correspondent and he will be telling us what he thinks about it as well. Now, let's talk about a positive from last night, Jerry, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Big O got a chance against Rangers at Ibrox. Um, great pass, actually. And He's dinked it over the goalie and it's ricocheted off the post and away it goes. Now, we were, as a team, as a unit, very, very poor that afternoon. Oh, it sticks in the mind because it it was a bit of a bad miss. It's a one-on-one, you've got to score it, right? So from there up until maybe the St Mirren game, there was a lot of comment on social media and on our comment section on our YouTube um, around O and the fact that, you know, it's a downgrade from Yakamakis. And we actually stood up for him, I've got to say, because again, you look at the age of the boy, uh, the fact that he's not, I think he's only started two games. He's only started yep. two games for Celtic. Um, and then you see him coming on against St Mirren there at Celtic Park. And there was a moment in the game where he's got the ball where he's back to go. The turn was brilliant. Turned on a sixpence. And then the shot, he hits the post. It was a great effort, right? If that goes in, the game changes. The whole momentum swings our way. So I was looking at that. We mentioned it after the game. We said, you know, let's not write off just yet. Um, he's a young guy. He's he's not a project, but we've got to have a bit of, a bit of patience with him. He starts last night. I thought he played really really well, mm-hmm. uh, and he took his goal brilliantly um, as well. Brilliant bit of skill, really composed. And what I love about him, he's got a wee bit of I don't know. There's an edge to him, especially yeah. when he scores the goals. Yeah. He likes to get the jersey off. It's all about him. He loves all that kind of stuff. So I think I, I guess what I'm saying, the only positive from last night is was O's performance. Um, but even with that, and even with Kyogo staying, which I hope he does, I still think we need a third striker. What's your thoughts, Jerry? Yeah, I totally agree with everything you just said there. I'm a big, big fan of O. Um, I think, like it's, like you said, he's got that extra wee spark to him that when he scores a goal, the passion. He wants to do well for our fans, not just for himself. You can tell he wants to get them on side. you got to put everything into perspective as well. He's from Korea. He's had to come and acclimatise to our country, all that kind of stuff, um, to our cultures. He, he's playing behind Kyogo. That's enough to make everyone go, oh, look. you know what I mean? You're watching this guy in front of you and go, what do I need to do to get in front of him? He's got that extra pressure. I think he's taken in his stride. He's made some mistakes, but who hasn't? For for his, I think he, his goal return's not been bad at all, considering, like you said, what, two two starts? Yeah. Three starts, what, two starts? Last night would have been his third. His third, yep. So... No, I'm I'm delighted with the progress he's made, and if we if we lose Kyogo, please 
please don't lose Kyogo. But if we do, and and we get another strike, we do need another striker. And yeah, if we lose Kyogo, we need another two strikers. And I don't like this comparison to Jack and Marcus. There's a, I've heard a lot of people saying it, but I, I don't like it. Well, he was here. He was great. He didn't want to be here. He's gone. I'm over it. So let's look to who we've actually got to play up yeah. front. Yeah, uh, no, I'd like to see some more firepower up front, definitely, because I, I don't want to jinx it, but I can't see us keeping on to that, boy. Kyogo's just too good. No, he is phenomenal. We were talking about an interesting kind of stat um, during the week there that he's on 31 goals, right? And in the last 20 years, Jerry, only four Celtic players have scored 32 or more goals in a season. So it's Henrik Larson, Moussa Dembele, um, Lee Griffiths, and Griffiths. Chris, Chris Commons. So they're the four. Um, if he scores another one, he gets into that kind of category. If he scores more than that, then he's into um, his own little category underneath Henrik Larson. Now, Marquis Robson, talking to Barry Robson here about the Aberdeen game on the weekend, is definitely headed in the right direction. It might be a few years and success before we could consider him. Yeah, you've got to cut your teeth elsewhere. People have spoken about Scott Brown in the same kind of vein, Mark. You've got mm. to go and prove yourself. I mean, you look at what Ange had done before he came to Celtic, managed in a World Cup, won titles in Australia and in Japan, and then he comes to Celtic after 25 years' experience. I think you really need to have um, a CV that would suggest unless there was something in the, the situation with regards to maybe the Neil Lennon situation where he's in the club already. You know, that was a different set of circumstances and he's an ex-player, he, he becomes the interim boss, he does pretty well, he gets the job full-time. Um, if you're going to bring somebody like Barry Robson or Scott Brown, they need to really achieve in the game. The urban culture is talking about women in, in football. Uh, Brady Conley, rest in peace, the only female on our bus in the 70s and 80s. I bet it was good fun for Brady. Uh, with everybody on our supporters buzz back then. Um, and we've got Stephen O'Rourke, who says we need to play strongest team against Dons, as they are a good team just now, full of confidence, can't go into the cup final without a win and another meek performance. No, I agree with that. Yeah. And a wee question for yourself. Derek O'Rourke, <laughs> have you ever worked with Ken Loach? No. Come on, Ken, get your figure out. He's a phone. I haven't, He's a- he must think I look like one of the nerds for the films. <laughs> <laughs> on that point who, who would you like to work with then because I mean uh, Ange Postacoglu <laughs> that's it yeah. just like Ange so I was on record I was on um, on a, another podcast and I said to you and Cameron I says all I want is a cuddle from Ange Postacoglu I, w- I would give up any role in any film if somebody can organize. I just want to hug the guy I want him to be my dad. I've said this on that, record. With that big, that big jersey, the big Celtic jersey. Everything would just get better, wouldn't it? Just a wee tap. Uh, All right, mate. Wee tap. On my way. We touch his jumper. A wee hug. That's me set for life, mate. I, I'd never <laughs> want for another thing again. So anyone that's got contact with him, tell him I want a cuddle. I thought you were going to say Martin Scorsese, but, you know, Angel do. Well, Angel do. If it was actors, who would I love to work with? Uh, obviously T- Tarantino I'm a huge fan to do a Tarantino film but if it was Scotland I would love to work with Craig Hempel oh brilliant I love brilliant. him I was in that still game episode and I met him but it was like a wee extra he wouldn't remember me but he was such a nice guy as well and I just think he's such a good performer I'd love to work with him I big Greg he's a Celtic fan and all is that well? You know, there's a lot of uh, talented, creative people who do uh, favour Celtic uh, over the other side yes. of Glasgow. 
And I think there's something to be said there. There, there really is. There's a real pot of talent. There's a hotbed of talent among the really music is. support. I without a doubt. Now, remind us, because we'll be sharing on the socials as well the, the links to your show. Remind us uh, what's happening in September and how we can get tickets as well. Right, so it's on the 1st and 2nd of September, singing I'm No A Billy, She's A Tim. Um, it's the pavilion on, like I say, the 1st and 2nd, seven, half past 7 at night and 2 o'clock on the Saturday and another half past 7 at night show on the Saturday. Um, tickets are on sale at the pavilion website. You can get them all on there. And follow us on the singing I'm No A Billy's A Tim page or myself on Twitter, I'm Jerry Taylor Air. Or TikTok, I've got... I don't know if you know this, I've got a TikTok that went a bit mad now. I've got like 20,000 followers because I just tell really bad dad jokes. So I'm at Dad Joke Jerry. But oh, I just yes. I just rip off dad jokes that I hear and just put a wee smile on folks' faces. So but we upload on that about the show as well. And anyone wants to audition, send us uh, chrisTaylorproductions at gmail.com. Um, if you're female between 18 and 60, we'll bring you along to an audition for the show. Oh, superb. Yes, definitely get in touch. We'll share all those details on the socials as well. Uh, Jerry, it's been an absolute pleasure. Um, yeah, enjoy, mate. I'm a show. big fan of the show. Uh, we'll do it again. We'll definitely do it again before yeah. the show comes round. So thank you very much for joining us. And everybody who's got involved today, six, 700 strong, give us a big thumbs up. If you want to come and see Jackie, I think there's three tickets left, but they might have already gone. Check on the ticket link underneath the video to come and see Jackie McNamara with a Celtic State of Mind uh, for a live event like no other at Gracie's. Uh, I'll be hosting that event as well. Thanks, everybody, for getting involved. And thank you once again to Jerry for joining me on a Celtic State of Mind. No worries, mate. Network.